BGC, good morning. I trust that as you've worshipped in your homes, as you've watched once again virtual worship, that you've encountered God as Dave and the band has led us once again in worship. And I just have to say to Dave and to the, the band members and to all the worship leaders, you guys have just served our church so well as we transition now next Sunday to regathering again and worshiping for many of us in person. Um, you have added normalcy and you've helped us as families and individuals on Sunday mornings to engage with the Lord. And so I'm just so grateful for the ways that you've served our church. I know it's been a lot of work for many of you, extra time and hours to provide this for us. And I'm just so grateful and thankful for your labors and for all that you've done to serve our church in these weeks and months that we've been uh, in lockdown. We're going to continue this morning in the book of Psalms, and so if you have your Bible, you can go ahead and grab that and turn to Psalm 121. A couple years ago, Gary Eberly and I, if you're a guest and you're watching this this morning, Gary is another pastor here at the church, and Gary and I traveled to India and Nepal to meet with some Christian workers there and just to see how our church here in Downingtown might participate and learn and and join in with what God's doing in other parts of the world. And after traveling, flying to Delhi, India, we, we traveled for 14, 15 hours, and we landed in the middle of the night, and were exhausted, and tried to navigate the process that we were coached in, which was to find a driver that was going to take us from the Delhi airport to the place that we were staying that night. So we were told where we needed to go and what we needed to do, how to negotiate with a driver to make sure that he was going to take us to where we needed to go. But we were also told to anticipate a whole bunch of other drivers who were interested not in taking us to where we wanted to go, but in taking us to where they wanted to go. And so when we got out to the place where all the drivers were kind of gathered around, that began this very stressful process of trying to work through language barriers and communicate and, and to show them this is the dress we need to go to. We want to go here, not anywhere else. And so finally, we were able to settle with a driver and, okay, this is where we're going to go. We're not going to go anywhere else. We're going to this place. You're going to get us there. We're good. So we get all of our luggage in the car and the guy gets out of the car and goes back to the drivers and begins to talk with a group of men that we had just negotiated with to try to find this driver. And he's showing them the paper, and he's kind of communicating, looking back at us, and Gary and I are like, what's going on here? So he comes back to the car, and he says, oh, no, I can't take you anymore. This guy is going to take you. We have to get all of your luggage out, and you're going to go with him. So now we're stressed out all over again, thinking, what, what's happening here? This feels sketchy and shady. So we get all of our luggage out of the car, and we get it into this other gentleman's car, and now we're starting to drive away. And so my mind's doing all this crazy stuff in that moment. You know, I'm, I'm looking at the driver, and I'm looking at Gary, and I'm thinking, okay, between the two of us, we can probably take him if we needed to, but what if he's got some big friends? And... Maybe this is it. Like, we just arrived in Delhi, India. Maybe this is the end of the road for me. Maybe this is where Gary and I's life ends. Like, we're going to be found some back alley in Delhi, robbed and murdered, and that's just how this is going to go down. As travelers, sometimes we get into moments where we feel vulnerable. 
Sometimes as travelers, we experience moments when we feel threatened, where we feel exposed, where we feel like we're in danger. And church, right now, as a believer, right now as a church, I kind of feel a little like I did in that moment. I feel a little vulnerable. Next week, we reopen again. And as excited as I am about regathering and joining together and seeking the Lord and having fellowship as a church, I feel a little vulnerable. No doubt as a church, as we begin to enter into our new normal and no doubt as a, a community, as we start to enter into a new normal, we all have individual perspectives on how that new normal ought to look. I feel vulnerable. I feel like we're vulnerable to be selfish or to be judgmental or, or to be uh, insistent on the way things ought to go as it relates to my perspective. I feel vulnerable in that. I feel vulnerable as a community as we start to enter into life. Again, as excited as I am, I feel a little vulnerable. God has been exposing things in our nation. He's been exposing issues of racism. He's been exposing inequality and injustice. And as the political divide continues to grow and, and the vitriol and the hostility and the anger grows in our nation, I feel vulnerable. I feel like I have so much to learn. I feel like we as Christians have to learn how to listen well. We have to learn how to empathize. We have to learn how to lament. We have to learn how to be part of the solution and not contributors to the problem. And I feel I don't know exactly how to do all of that. I feel vulnerable. We've got relational tensions within our own families. We've got health issues that confront us. We've got accidents that were unforeseen. We've got personal struggles that we're all facing. As disciples on the road with Jesus, we're travelers who at times feel very vulnerable. I chose to preach Psalm 121 this morning because if you look at your Bible, you'll see right at the top of the psalm, it says that it's a song of ascents. In ancient Israel, the song of ascents were the songs that the pilgrims of Israel would sing as they traveled, as they journeyed, as they walked the road of discipleship to Jerusalem, as they ascended to Jerusalem to worship God. This was the songs that they sang as they were traveling the road of a life of faith, traveling a road of a life that was oriented toward God. These were the songs that they sung. And these people, these pilgrims, these travelers on the road of the journey of faith oftentimes felt very much like we do. They felt vulnerable. They felt fearful. They encountered danger. They were constantly threatened. These were the songs, these songs of ascent were the songs they sung, the songs they memorized, the songs that they meditated on that provided them with courage, that provided them with support, that provided them the direction that they need as they traveled this road of discipleship. So let's read Psalm 121 
in that vein. Psalm 121. This is the word of the Lord. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. God, I pray that you would be our keeper. I pray in this moment as we gather around your word that you would keep us tethered to yourself, that you would provide us by your spirit and through your word this morning, you would provide us the support, the courage, the direction that we need as travelers on the road of discipleship with our King Jesus. Help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. On the road of discipleship, there are constant dangers. But our guardian God constantly keeps us safe. Let me say that again. On the road of discipleship, the road of discipleship that we're all walking on together, on that road of discipleship, there are constant dangers. But our guardian God constantly keeps us safe. That's what Psalm 121 teaches us. That's how this psalm wants to instill in you and I hope and courage and direction. On the road of discipleship, there are constant dangers, but our guardian God constantly keeps us safe. Look at how this psalm unfolds. Verse 1, we're aware right away that this traveler is outside. He's on the road. He's hiking. And as he walks the road, he looks up ahead. And as he sees in the distance, he, he, he notices the hills and the mountains that await him. Now I wonder, right now, as you are considering your life, as you're lifting your eyes up on the horizon of your life, what is it that awaits you? What is it that your eyes are fixed on? What circumstance or situation are you confronting on the horizon of your life? See, this traveler, as he was on the road, he was immediately confronted. Whatever the hills or the mountains represented, it, it caused him to ask this question, where does my help come from? So whatever those hills or those mountains represented, for him, he was immediately confronted with his need for help. What's on the horizon of your life right now that's confronting you, what's making you aware of your need for some help? The Israelite looking to the mountains could have had a number of emotions flooding into their minds. For some, it could have represented fear. When I look to the mountains, the mountains are where the robbers hide out. So I've got to get through there, and somehow I've got to navigate the mountains in such a way where I keep my family or my caravan safe. 
For others, the mountains represented some type of shelter. At least I can get out from the exposure here and find a cliff or somewhere safe, a shade where I can rest. Some Israelites were no doubt tempted because on the hills and in the mountains, that's where pagan worship happened. That's where you went to offer sacrifices to moon gods or to sun gods to try to elicit their protection and their help. Now, that seems kind of ridiculous to us now in our modern age. Like, really, you're, you're going to sacrifice to unknown gods to try to protect you. But if we slow down long enough and think about it, when you and I are feeling tempted, when you and I are facing danger, when we're feeling vulnerable, we look everywhere for even temporary relief. We will pursue things that offer us some type of relief from the pressures that we're facing. What is on the horizon of your life? What, as you look out on the horizon of your life, is tempting you to fear? What is offering you some type of refuge? What's offering you some type of promise of protection or shelter or comfort? See, what the psalmist does in Psalm 121 is he says, no, you have to lift your eyes higher than those things. You've got to lift your gaze. You've got to fix your gaze on something greater. You've got to fix your eyes on someone greater. Fix your eyes on the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. That's where the psalmist fixes his eyes. Do this this week. Sometime this week or later today, go outside. Go outside and take in a sunset. Go outside in some open space where you can see the vastness of the sky. Go to the beach and take in the enormity of the ocean. And when you're there, call to mind like this psalmist does, the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He's the one that made all of this. He's the one who made it by merely speaking these things into existence. And so what we're supposed to do in those moments is say, okay, Now, on the horizon of my life, I've got these situations and these circumstances and there's relationships, there's stress and there's struggle. But when I see them in light of what lies beyond and above and overseeing them is the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth who spoke these things into existence. And when I see them in light of that, I'm able to say, what can I possibly face that that God cannot help me handle? What can I possibly face? What can you possibly face in this life that the God who spoke heaven and earth into existence can't handle? Nothing. Friends, we worship and serve a God who has infinite power. We worship and serve a God who has infinite resources. We worship and serve a God who has infinite wisdom, who's able to help us navigate through any situation or circumstance we find ourselves in. This is the God who promises to help us. Friends, why, why so often do we turn elsewhere for help? Why so often do we tend to disregard and look for answers from places other than God? Dietrich Bonhoeffer said that to deviate from the truth 
for the sake of some prospect of hope on our own can never be wise, however slight that deviation may be. Do you feel that twinge? Do you feel in your soul even the slightest tendency, the slightest deviation to leave the God who promises help and seek it in some other way? I feel that. That deviation, no matter how slight it may be, is always foolish. It's never wise. The wisest thing that you and I, the wisest thing that disciples on the road that is seeking to live a life pleasing to God, the wisest thing we can do is to trust and believe that the Lord our God, the maker of heaven and earth, is the one who makes himself available to help us. He is the one who's constantly keeping us safe. On this road of discipleship, there are constant dangers. But the Lord our God constantly keeps us safe. He is our guardian God who constantly keeps us safe. Look at the specific ways that the psalmist teaches us that he does this. How does God help us? How does he keep us safe? In verse 3 it says, He will not let your foot be moved. God's not going to let you trip. He's not going to let you slip. He's not going to let you stumble. He's not going to let you fall. Now, this doesn't mean that on the road of discipleship, as we're traveling this life of faith, we're not going to ever stub our toe. We're not going to ever hike along and be confused about which path are we supposed to be on here, or we're not going to ever encounter danger or confront obstacles on the way. That's not what he's saying. In fact, if we read our Bibles well, we'll never find, try to do this, try to read your Bible and find a man or a woman who's trying to live a life of faith apart from doing that in some type of struggle, in some trial, in some circumstance where they've got to really work hard to figure out what does it mean to live a life of faith in this moment. The times that we're living in, they can feel stressful, and they are. And they can feel uncertain in many ways they are. But that's nothing new. The Bible shows us time and time again that for people who are on the road, for travelers who are living the life of faith, that's the norm. Learning to trust God, learning to live out our faith, learning to follow Jesus in the midst of trial and conflict and danger, that's what the Bible is full of. That's why these psalms offer so much help to us. This person in the psalm is one who is aware of constant danger. Our hope is that we serve a God who keeps us safe and he's a God who keeps us safe around the clock. God says in this passage here that he never sleeps, he never slumbers. See, Israel's God was different than the gods of the pagans in that day. Pagan gods were said to have needed times of rest and recreation. They needed time to eat and time to sleep. Israel's God wasn't like that. Our God is not like that. There's never a time when our God is not available to offer us help. There's never a time when our God needs to take five. There's never a time when our God needs to have his post relieved. There's never a time when our God is too busy or too tired to offer us the protection that we need, ever. I was reminded this week of this when I was reading in Matthew's Gospel, just in my quiet time this week, 
And I was reading about how John the Baptist was beheaded. And you know the story. So John the Baptist is in prison, and Herod is having a party for his guests, and he's turned on by one of these dancers there. And in order not to appear weak and feeble in front of his party guests, he agrees to have the head of John the Baptist brought out on a platter. Now, the very next verse tells us that that news made its way to Jesus. Could you imagine that? You get word that your cousin, the one that you love, your cousin that you love, the cousin that is out there preaching about you, the cousin that's out there doing what you told him to do, has just had his, just had his head cut off. Jesus, it says, goes away on a mountain to pray. And it says that the crowds, great crowds, start to gather around because they know he's there. And so what the Bible says is, and Jesus came down from the mountain and saw the great crowds and said, you know what, now's not a great time. You're going to have to go home and come back later. I'm dealing with something right now. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that Jesus comes down. He meets these great crowds after just hearing about John. He meets these great crowds and he has compassion on them and he begins to heal all of their diseases. Friends, our God, our Jesus is never, ever too busy or too preoccupied or too consumed with something or someone else not to offer us the help that we need in times of danger. He's always available. Jesus, our Savior, is 24-7. Jesus, our Savior, ensures that the doors of heaven, they never get locked. He's always available. He's always at the ready. Whenever we cry out to him for help, he's there ready to serve and to help. That's our God. That's who he promises to be. He's our God who's around the clock, constantly keeping us safe. The righteous person might fall seven times, but he'll always rise again. She'll always rise again. Why? Because God upholds him. God upholds her. It's God who ensures that nothing will ultimately and utterly keep us down. Yes, we may stumble. Yes, we may fall. But God is the one who picks us back up again and keeps us going on the road. What else does God do? Here in verse 6, it says that the sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. Again, we're confronted by the fact that this traveler is in constant danger, whether it's at day or at night. We know that during the day, there are threats that we can see and are aware of. At night, there are threats we can't see, threats we're not aware of. We're under constant attack in this world as disciples. There are dangers when we're 15 that are different from the dangers that we face when we're 25 or 45 or 75. There are dangers that we face as women that are different than what we face as men. There are dangers that we face as black people or as brown people from those that we face as white people. 
There are dangers, there are constant stresses in all seasons of life at all times that beat down on us like the hot sun, zapping us of life, zapping us of strength, zapping us of the energy, zapping us of the vision to even want to walk this road any longer. Ancient writers, when when they wrote about sunstroke and moonstroke, that was a category for them. So not only were there dangers by day, but there were dangers by, by night. And speaking of the dangers of the moon was a way that they would speak of the mental illness and, stre- and the stress that people would come under. So the, the lunacy, or we would say, you know, it's going to be a full moon tonight. And you better watch out because stuff's going to go down. There's legitimacy to that. That's how the ancient writers captured this idea of the dangers of, of the night, the, the dangers, the stress, the mental anguish that people would experience in nighttime. And if you struggle in any way with depression or anxiety or mental illness in any way, or even just garden variety temptations, you know that nighttime can be some of the most challenging parts of your day. When it's just you, and you're all alone, and you're lying on your bed, and you can't sleep, you can't shut your mind off. You can't, you can't stop yourself. It feels like your mind is racing and your heart is racing and you, you just desperately want to get to sleep, but you can't shut it off. You feel alone in those moments. You feel tempted in those moments. You feel completely helpless. Friends, this passage teaches us that we're not alone. God, the Lord Almighty, He is the shade at our right hand. He is the one who's right there by our side. And just like we learned just a few weeks ago from Psalm 23, God's not there just passively standing by. He's not just there passively providing shade and relief. God is there as an armed shepherd. He's got His rod and His staff. God is a rough and ready shepherd looking to guard and protect us from any threats or any dangers that we encounter, whether by day or by night. The Lord constantly keeps us safe. Remember the story of Hagar in Genesis 21 where Hagar and Ishmael are kicked out of the camp and they're out traveling on the road in the hot sun. And they come to a point where they're at, they're at their end. Hagar is convinced that her son is going to die, and so is she. And so she can't bear to look and to watch this go down. And so she sets Ishmael up, and then she goes off in a distance, and there she goes to die. No one's there. No one's around to protect her. No one's around to provide for her. No one's around to keep watch over her, except the Lord. She cries out to the Lord. And when everybody else has rejected, when everybody else has sent her away, Hagar finds the Lord has a listening ear for her. Hagar finds the Lord who provides for her. It says that the Lord opens her eyes and shows Hagar where she and Ishmael can get some water. The Lord is our keeper. It might seem by day or by night that everyone else has abandoned us, but God Almighty constantly keeps us. He's constantly keeping watch over us to keep us safe. We're on this road with Jesus. We're on the road of discipleship. So many times, so many times, like Hagar, we can just feel weary. Like, I'm done. 
I'm done walking this road. It's too hard. It's too difficult. I can't bear to do this anymore. And in those moments, I think we can be tempted to think, well, you know, maybe I'm here because God's kind of fed up with me and he's leaving me by myself to learn my lesson for a while. Like God's mad at me. That's why this is happening. Or God seems to be preoccupied maybe with Christians who have their stuff together, who are more serious about their faith, who are more devout in their following of Jesus. They're, they're making strides on the road of discipleship, but me, I, I'm, my, my life's a hot mess. God's preoccupied with them. He's, he's not too concerned with me. Friends, if you can relate to any of those experiences, let me gently remind you, you've forgotten the gospel. You have forgotten the gospel. The gospel comes to us. Jesus comes to us with good news, and he teaches us, listen, I came to rescue you and to get you when you were unwilling and unable to get to me. The gospel reminds us that whether in our best moments or in our worst moments, it's God who came rescuing us. It's Jesus who came rescuing us, came to us to say, I live the life that you could never live, that you have failed in living. I died the death that you deserve to die for sin. And I rose again from the dead to secure your right standing before God. Our guardian God constantly keeps us safe, not because of what we have done, but because of what he has done for us. That's why the promise is true for us in Christ. That's why we can hold on to this truth that God, our guardian God, constantly keeps us safe. It's because of the gospel, friends. It's because of the good news that Jesus offers to us. It's because that God promises us in Christ to keep us safe because he's pledged himself to love us and to keep us together as his kids. That's why we can be confident to keep walking this road. Yes, we get weary. Yes, we get tired. But our hope lies in the fact that God has done everything necessary to keep us as his own. That's why he pledges to keep us from danger. We can be sure of his protection now, and we can be sure of his protection forever. That's where this psalm ends. In verses 7 and 8, we have this comprehensive and eternal promise of God's keeping power in our lives. God will keep us now, and he'll keep us forever. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He'll keep your life. He'll keep your going out and your coming in. He'll keep you now. He'll keep you forever. Eugene Peterson said that all of the evil in the world, I'm sorry, all of the water, all of the water in the ocean can't sink a ship unless it gets inside. And in the same way, all of the evil of the world can't sink a Christian unless it gets inside of him. That's what God has promised to keep us from. We are well aware, aren't we? We're well aware of evils from without. We're well aware of evils from within. There are constant pressures from without. There are constant pressures from within. What God is promising us here is that all that threatens to ultimately keep us from him, all that threatens us from within, 
All that threatens us from without, that threatens to remove us from his presence, that's what he will ultimately keep us from. God will keep us from anything that will separate us from his love, and he'll keep us from anything that will vanquish his purposes for us here in this life. God will complete the work he's begun in us. That's what he promises us. He'll keep us now, and he'll keep us forever. You know, this promise is why ultimately we're not hopeful for governmental reforms. We're not hopeful for societal reforms. We're not ultimately looking for policies and procedures because nothing can truly deal with the evil that is within, which ultimately gives rise to the things that we're seeing in our world today. The evil that's within needs to be vanquished before policies from without can really gain traction. That's what Jesus Christ promises to provide. He promises to provide a solution for the evil that's within to uproot evil from within so that we can begin to live lives oriented toward God and his ways. Our hope as Christians do not ultimately lie as, as helpful and as necessary as it is to provide these policies and to work for reform and to fight for justice and to fight the sin that remains within us. All of those things are necessary and crucial. We must do those things. But ultimately, our hope resides not in our ability to fight our own sin, not in the ability to create new policies, not in the new president in November, not in any of these things that are on the horizon. Our hope does not lie ultimately there. Our hope ultimately lies in King Jesus who conquered our sin, who conquered our death, and rose again to bring us to where he is where one day there will be no racism. There will be no injustice. There'll be no more sexism. There'll be no more child abuse. There'll be more, no more need to face temptation and overcome it because he'll vanquish it once for all. He'll keep us from all evil forever. Friends, that's our hope on this road of discipleship. We're not there yet. We are not there. We're still traveling. But the hope that lies ahead of us is that one day, once and for all, King Jesus will completely and totally Erase the evil from this world. That's where our hope lies. God will keep us safe until that day. We're on this road traveling a life of faith, and that's where God's promise to keep us remains. He's going to keep us until we make it all the way safely home. I recently watched the movie 1917 with my older sons. And one of the things that that movie just puts front and center, for me at least, is the constant danger of being in an enemy territory. Now, admittedly, I don't like that feeling. I don't like the feeling of being constantly on guard and constantly watchful and constantly aware. I like peace. I like, I like comfort. I like times of tranquility. That's what I fight for. But that movie reminded me, no, that's actually more realistically what the Christian life is like. It's a life that Jesus calls us to be watchful in. It's a life that Jesus calls us to be alert in. It's a, it's a life that Jesus calls us to continue to walk the road amongst many dangers and trials. But it's on that road. It's on the road as we travel this life of faith. That's where God promises to meet us and promises to constantly keep us until we make it all the way to the end.
Friends, I pray that today and I pray in the week ahead that your, your faith is, is stirred. I pray that God, through his word, would give us faith. Yes, there are issues for us to face. And yes, there are dangers for us to encounter. But we don't face them alone. We face them together. We face them with our guardian God keeping us safe. And we do so with hope, with love, and with courage because we know that ultimately God will lead us safely home. God bless you guys. I can't wait to regather again in the coming weeks. May God bless you and keep you today and through this week. Take care.